0: Welcome to the Beer Flight Podcast. On this episode, we are talking to Jason Bueller, head brewer at Denver Beer Co. We're going to talk about his experience working with Mexican cervecerias and Mexican beer and culture. We're also going to talk about how they started Cerveceria Colorado. I'm your host, Billy Rudolph, and I have officiated four weddings and a funeral, as well as won flip cup games on the very spot in the very hotel in Amersham, UK, where Andy McDowell and Hugh Grant's characters fell in love in four weddings and a funeral.
1: Wow, that was uh, that was quite the introduction for yourself. I may have nearly not that pedigree, but I did start the world championships of Dupont.
0: So we'd like to welcome Jason Bueller to the show. Jason is a head brewer at the award-winning Denver Beer Co. Before that, he was brewer at Oscar Blues and helped develop the Death by Coconut. Denver Beer Co. has a companion brewery called Cerveceria Colado, which focuses on celebrating the culture and flavors of Mexico. Because of this, Jason has forged many partnerships with brewers and breweries throughout Mexico, including in and around Mexico City. So we wanted to bring Jason in to talk about his experiences as a brewer, uh, in Colorado and brewing with Cerecerias and brewers in Mexico. So Jason, bienvenidos.
2: Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on guys. Appreciate it. Give us a, give us an idea of how all this started. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy how it it all kind of unfolded, but, um, I think it was late 2016. Um, I, I got invited to go down to Mexico and judge a beer competition that was put on by uh, slow beer, Mexico. I don't know, are you guys familiar with slow food? Yeah, have you, have yes. heard of slow food. So mm-hmm. S- slow food has a, a branch in, in Mexico that's actually slow beer. And they were putting on a competition in Puebla, Mexico um, that featured you know lots of craft breweries from Mexico and basically, the the premise of it was that all these breweries were to make uh, a beer with one of the ingredients that's in the arc of taste in in Mexico. So these are protected ingredients that are uh, in danger of of you know losing their um you know their 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 cultural awareness. And so slow food protects those ingredients and protects the manufacturers and processes and and you know traditional ingredients and things like that. So, um, so I went down and judged this beer competition, uh, with Randy Moser and, uh, some, some Mexican judges. Um, and it was a really eye opening experience for me. It was absolutely incredible. The people at slow, slow beer, Mexico were, were awesome. Um, I had really great hosts and they took me around and, you know, showed, showed me lots of things in Mexico. I'd never really been, into, I guess what I would call like the interior of Mexico before I'd been to lots of the coastal towns and the resort towns and stuff like that, Cancun and and Tijuana um, and things like that. But I'd never been really too far South. And and Puebla is like, it's about two and a half hours, like Southeast of Mexico city. So it's uh, it's kind of in the, in the middle, central um, down there in, in the Southern part of the country. But, um, but uh, yeah, it was an, an amazing trip. I think I was down there for seven or eight days or something like that. Um, and it just was a really eye-opening ex- experience. And the competition itself was held at um one of the local universities, and they have a culinary program. And probably the most amazing thing was coming into this competition, you know, not really knowing what I was getting myself into, and getting this presentation from these culinary students where they came out and presented all these ingredients that they knew, they knew, you know, gringos like me and Randy wouldn't know what they were. Um, and so they, they brought all these ingredients out and let us, you know, smell and taste these ingredients, you know, and kind of in their natural state. And then they talked a little bit about how they were incorporated into food. And so we got kind of, um, you know, we, we, we got a chance to experience all these things and um, get a little calibration before the, the actual competition judging started. And, and,
1: I, uh, and one, one thing, thing that I think you said is pretty interesting is that so Ramy Mosher is, you know, he's, he's the guy when it comes to beer and food pairings, right? So um, for, for him not to know what some of these flavors are is, uh, is interesting in itself.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I should say he's he's a lot he was a lot more familiar than I was at the time, and probably still is, um, if you are aware of his involvement with Five Rabbit Cerveceria in, in Chicago. Um, so he's he's pretty aware of that stuff, and he's traveled a lot more probably in Mexico than I have, and so he he at the time you know he he knew a lot of the ingredients, but he didn't know all of them. Um, and, you know, and, and th- I mean, there's a lot to know down there and there's a lot to experience. And especially when you start talking to craft brewers, because as you guys know, craft brewers are always looking for exotic ingredients and things that people have never heard of. And so, you know, some of these, these craft brewers are using stuff that even the culinary students, you know, didn't know. And so it was kind of an awesome learning experience for, for everybody involved. Um, but it was really amazing to have that, that calibration and to be able to taste all those things. And then we got into judging and you've got, like you know, historical beer styles for the most part that are brewed with all these ingredients, and so you know, getting to see them in their natural raw form um, and then tasting them in beer was just like, I mean, it was just an unbelievable experience. It was awesome. So, so you
1: judge at GABF, and, and you uh, actually helped me get into to judging GABF, which is it's awesome. I think it's it's just been a great experience the the past two years. But um, judging in Mexico, I mean, how? How is that um, different or, or similar to judging something here?
2: Yeah, you know, it depends. I've um, since that first experience judged a lot down there and I've judged the uh, Copa Cerveza, which is like their national craft beer um, competition. I've judged that the last three or four years now, I think. Um but, uh, I've, you know, I've gotten to do some of the other bigger regional competitions f- for them, too. And it really depends. It's it's variable. Um, you know, some of the competitions you go to, uh, you know, you'll you'll see uh, brewers that actually have a pretty good grasp of the. The styles themselves, but maybe the technical aspect isn't quite there. Um, they do, they do have a difficult time with accessing raw materials, especially fresh hops is something that they just can't get, you know, finding a, finding a good IPA down there can be difficult just based on the availability of, of, you know, good quality hops. Um, but it's getting better for sure. I mean, I've already seen a change in that since I've started, but from a competition standpoint, um, it's interesting. They, they definitely take the competitions very seriously. They, they, they tend to, um, hold the judges in kind of a high regard, which is interesting. You know, I was at a competition and everyone kept calling me master and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just judging beer, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, they definitely hold, you know, hold judges in a high regard, which, you know, always makes you feel good when you're down there judging. But, um, but they they take it you know pretty seriously and the the process pretty seriously um there are some interesting things where you know uh, you know as a judge i I feel like our job is to you know to praise beers that are good and to be critical when when they're not so good and so um you know i remember that that first competition i sat at a table um and i you know i was pretty consistently giving some of the lower scores and you know, at one of the breaks, one of the other judges kinda of said to me, you know, like, I don't think you're being very nice. <laughs> you know? And um and I said, Well, I don't think we're here to make friends. I mean, I think we're here to make everyone better, right? And so if there's a way to you know, to, to convey, you know, w- what can be done to improve on a beer. Like I, that's like, I definitely want to do that. I don't want to lose that opportunity. Yeah. I
1: mean, I mean, it's a fine line. You got to walk when your judge, right? It's like you, you, uh, you give criticism, but you try for it to be constructive criticism when you, when you do give it.
2: Yeah. But it, it actually ended up I mean, It was a small competition. So there's not that many tables, but it ended up opening up a, a discussion amongst all the judges. And we kind of looked at where everybody was at and, You know, it seemed like a lot of the local judges were using a very small range of the scale that we had available to judge the beers on. And, um, you know, I I think Randy and myself both were using, you know, both ends of the spectrum, um, which I feel as appropriate as a judge, but, um, but, you know, I was, I was definitely willing to, you know, to, to go along with whatever they were going to ask me to do. But, um, after we, we all kind of sat down and talked about it, the, the competition director, you know, said, yeah, no, you're right. You, you guys should use, you know, both ends of the spectrum. You know, we want to, we want to, you know, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, you know, And, and, and that's not what we were trying to do either. Um, but, you know, you want to be critical where where it's needed and, and and let people know, you know. And the biggest thing was to get feedback on how to improve. So, you know, and I was making sure we did that. So, um, but yeah, that was that was kind of interesting. So so that was basically that that was the
1: start of, the, I guess, the seeding of survey uh, of Colorado was you going down there and kind of starting to get some, I guess, idea of what's going on down there and and. I don't know, how you bring those ingredients back and and use them. I mean, what what was kind of the process of of starting that idea as a whole?
2: I mean, when I was there, um, part of it, too, was I got to I I met some brewers. I mean, you know, we're down there and we're eating great food and seeing lots of amazing cultural sites and we climbed a pyramid and things like that. But then, you know, I'm like, all right, let's go see some craft breweries. And so, you know, I, I distinctly remember that the first craft brewery that we went to, was in Cholula, which is just outside of Puebla, and um, it's a brewery called San Pascual Bailon. And uh, I met one of the owners, or both of the owners at the time. Um, but one of the one of the owners, Nicola, uh, um, he's like a, an amazing friend of mine now. And you know, I just I ended up just randomly meeting him just because I, you know, we had asked to go on a tour, and um, and then we ended up going with him to the market and trying a bunch of different, you know, fruits and things like that. Um, and it was just, you know, from, uh, we became friends pretty much right away and, um, and are still very good friends. And I've taken my family down and stayed with his family, um, in, in, in Cholula and in Puebla. And, um, he's been up here and stayed with my family at my house several times too. And so we've, we've become really great friends, but, um, but yeah, that was the impetus of, you know, of Cerveceria Colorado, mostly because I came back and had all these ideas and I'm like, man, I want to brew with this. I want to brew with that. I want to, I tasted this. I want to see if I can find that. And I actually came back from that first trip with, I mean, with a suitcase full of Arabe de mague, which is a honey from the agave plant, which is this really rich molassesy y um, honey that's got this nice smoky flavor, smoky, earthy flavor. Um, and that was through, through slow beer uh, Mexico, they wanted me to do, they wanted to do a collaboration with me back here because they were having, uh, Slow Food was having their like um, national, um, it was a, like, kind of like a conference and um, an expo kind of thing in Denver that year. And so I brought a bunch of that back and made a beer um, for for that event, you know, but then I was just so inspired not only by uh, the ingredients and, you know, the the cuisine and the culture, but the, the brewers too, the people. And so I, you know, kept, you know, calling and we talked to them and, you know, I would, I would see some of them at different events. And we invited some of them to come and brew with us and, and at Denver Beer Company. And we did a collaboration. We made a, we made an amber lager with mole where we made like six gallons of mole sauce from scratch in my kitchen, like the traditional way. And that was like eye opening And my kids were like, what the hell are you doing? You know, but, but we made this, it was awesome. And, you know, we made this mole sauce and we made this, this Amber, and, and we just started doing collaborations and we started doing, I just was so inspired to make beers with Mexican ingredients. You know, I came back and started doing that. And, and, you know, we, at the same time Denver beer company had a space available that we weren't probably utilizing to, to its fullest extent. And we had talked about, you know, creating a new tap room or creating another brand. And, um, and it just seemed natural at the time that, you know, that, that of Colorado, um, started, you know, I was, I was so inspired with on the beer side, uh, but also on the cultural side. And, um, you know, Denver has a, a pretty amazing Latino community here too. And, uh, and, you know, we thought we would be able to provide that community with, with some joy and, and through beer and through community. And we've, we've had a very big, um, Component of giving back at Sari Rio Colorado, and it's you know it's been a what seems like a very quick couple of years that we've been open now, but um, it's been an amazing journey so far. You talked about some of those guys
1: who've uh, gone down and say their houses. They've come up, and I've actually had an opportunity uh, at, uh, at a GABF and and um, um, at the conference at the at the craft brewers conference to hang out with those guys, and they're like they're it, they're super fun, and I think they're just super excited because the craft beer industry down there is still very much i would say i mean I, you could say 20 25 years behind where we are I, is is kind of what i would what i would guess and so just it it kind of looks like what what craft brewers here were like you know 25 30 years ago and how it was such just like a huge uphill fight i guess yep and that they just their excitement to like be a part of, especially in Denver, it's, you know, one, one of the craft beer capitals uh, of the country and, and just how excited they were to be a part of that scene. Yeah. And, and we went out and we, we had a couple of beers late at a, at a dance club or something. I don't know where we ended up, but it was a good time.
2: You're right. The, the, the industry for craft beer there is definitely, you know, a little behind. There's, there's a huge education component that is still, you know, going on. That's one of the biggest challenges I think that they face right now is just educating the public down there as to why they should spend the extra pesos on a craft beer, Um, you know, and, and so there's that, but you know, definitely reminds me a lot of, you know, 15, 16, you know, years ago in craft beer here where you had all these brewers with a ton of heart and just a ton of passion and drive. And, you know, the education component was definitely a part of it then. I mean, I can remember my first brewing job, you know, trying to educate people about what an IPA was. And, you know, it was like our it was like our least selling least least you know favorite beer is the least selling beer that we had at the time you know i was like oh that's just too much flavor i can't handle that you know And that, i mean that was not that long ago really you know and so things change fast but um but you know the the biggest thing you know that i see in the the brewers down there is that they just have so much passion for what they do and they're excited about it and you know they definitely fight hard for it and so you know, I, I think they have a very bright future ahead of them. And it's definitely growing and it's, you know, it's it's certainly getting bigger as, as things go on. You know, the other interesting things about their, you know, where they're, they're seen as it is right now is there's not really a huge tap room, you know, scene culturally, like going to a craft brewery's tap room isn't really much of a thing. I mean, it's getting better, but a lot of these breweries are, you know, have a small bottling operation and they're just, you know, bottling up six packs or even individual bottles and just trying to, you know, sell them and, 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 uh, you know, give them, get an outlet wherever they can. And so, you know, there's, there's a long way to go there, but they're already getting into cans and stuff like that. You've, you know, definitely in just in the last year or two, I've seen a lot more Mexican craft breweries getting into cans. So that's cool to see. And um, yeah, they, I think they definitely have a bright future ahead of them.
0: You
1: uh, a minute ago you kind of led into what I was going to ask. So you said taproom culture. It obviously I like, guess just is not what it is here. I mean, if say, if okay, some some of the people are listening right now, they might be interested in, in going down there and maybe doing a brewery tour. I mean, what what could they expect when they went down there? Would they see food trucks going out? Well, I mean, would they would they see their dogs and families in in tap rooms? I mean, what is it like?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a couple places. There's a few places that are like that. Um, You know, there's some spots that are like brew pubs or, you know, there's a a couple of um, kind of beer bars that will have their own house made beer. But then, you know, they'll also have some some guest beers and stuff like that. Um, There's there's some food trucks down there. Um, You know, what's pretty common is to have a tasting room. So the brewery will have like an industrial location where they brew the beer and then they'll have a tasting room as their bar. It's not as common uh, from my experience there to have the beer being brewed on site. Um, And, you know, that's, that's probably mostly in Mexico city. I would say Um, it kind of depends, you know, there's, there's certainly, you know, La Brew in Morelia has a, a, you know, really nice tasting room and, They've got their production space right there, but they just built an offsite tasting room. That's really, really nice spot from what I've seen. I haven't been there myself, but um, but so I think it's more common to have the production in one spot and maybe with a small tasting room there, but then to have like a nice tasting room in a different area. Um, But it just depends. And there's, there's some, some great um, brew pubs too. Um, A a in Mexico city is, has just incredible food and, you know, again, they, they manufacture offsite, but they serve all their beers on site and they have a, an amazing, you know, food menu. And then they do also have an awesome Mezcal menu too, which I appreciate.
1: Yeah. I actually, uh, discovered Mezcal only, you know, three or four years ago and, uh, I discovered it a little too hard that night it was, uh, I was hurting the next day, but it's awesome. Um, but people do say if you have some bad Mexical, you have some bad Mexical too. Yeah. Um, so I've not had that. I think I only had the good stuff.
0: I think, uh, after my first experience in a Mexico city, Mezcaleria was, it changed my mind on Mezcal and I've been drinking it pretty regularly ever since. And that was probably like four or five years ago. Yeah. Great. Nice. What we usually do here on the pod,
1: podcast, we can call it the pod now. I think we're at that level. This is episode, I don't know, five or six, right? So um, we usually share beer, uh, but we're usually all sitting at the same table. So uh, logistically, we, we're not doing that this time. This is a, this is a dis- distance interview with Jason being in Denver. But we did want Jason to share something that he's made, uh, hopefully something within the Cervicerie of Colorado line.
2: Yeah, um, sure. I can give you a breakdown. Actually, I, I just got done um, today bottling up some uh, some entries for GABF and um, w- one of our entries, maybe, I don't know if I'm, I'm able to say this, It probably can, but we've made a beer, we've made beers with this ingredient before, but there is an incredible uh, flower that grows in Oaxaca called Flor de Rosita de Cacao. And it's, it has this like chocolatey, earthy, almost mushroomy kind of smell to it, but it's so unique and it is very, very fragrant. Um, and my friend Lucia, who has a brewery in Mexico city called itiniene, uh, she, she opened my eyes to this ingredient. There's a traditional drink and i i'm gonna she's she's gonna be mad at me because i can't i'm not gonna remember the name of this drink but uh there's a traditional drink that, that is um comes from oaxaca that they use uh flor de rosita de cacao in and it's a it's served cold um but it's just it's an incredible drink and she discovered this ingredient through this drink and i mean this ingredient is so unique and rare it's really hard to find most Mexican brewers that I've talked to are like "I've never heard of that before um, so it only comes from Oaxaca and it's so fragrant that um, they used to bury the dead with it because it's it smells so strong but um, we've made a couple different beers with it um, and man, it's just got an amazing flavor and you know sourcing that here was was pretty much impossible and uh, Lucia came up to visit for the great American beer festival uh, a couple years ago and she brought some with her. Um, but I wanted to get more cause I wanted to you know, make some more beer and we couldn't get it. So uh, we actually, I, one of our um, um, employees at Cerise Rio Colorado has family in Chihuahua and they drove up um, across the border. And so I had, I had a friend of mine, uh, shipped some, some, uh, some of the, the flour, the flor de rosita uh, up to Chihuahua. And then they drove it across the border and brought, brought it up to us, which is pretty awesome um, to get that. But that's, that is probably the most unique ingredient that I've used so far. I mean, we've done some fun stuff with tamarind and, you know, some different fruits and different spices and lots of different chilies, but um, probably the Florida de Rosita de cacao is probably the most unique ingredient um, that we've used in, in my opinion. but, right.
1: you know, just the story alone, anytime you have to smuggle an ingredient into the country uh, through a suitcase is pretty awesome.
2: yeah, I mean i'll I'll just be straight <laughs> just up so I get over the border. <laughs> I don't think there's a there's a time that I've come back from Mexico where there hasn't been something questionable in my suitcase, but um, No, no issues as of yet. Although I have had lots of problems getting hops to Mexico. So I've actually taken for some collabs. I've, I've just straight up flown some, some of our hops, um, down there. And, uh, man, I think, I think my, my record is like 90 minutes, um, waiting at the, at the checkpoint to to get the hops cleared. So it's a, it's an interesting process. Billy, do you have anything
1: else?
0: Or we can, well, I, we can jump in the lightning around if you have something else, though. Did we answer the question on what the beer
2: was that he's drinking? No. What, or what are you drinking? We had such a great story around it. Oh, right yeah. now, I'm, drink, I'm drinking Venga, which is, um, that's our, our Mexican lager from Cereceria, Colorado. So no smuggled ingredients in that one. No smuggled ingredients in that one, yeah. um, but that the name from the name of that beer comes from uh, just riding around in in the car with uh, some of my uh, Mexican brewer friends, and that's one of their, their sayings. When you know, it kind of means like let's do it. You know, they would we'd be talking about what our plan was for the day or whatever, and they kept they would kept saying benga benga.
0: It seems to me like there's there's been a lot of like distribution channel or challenges when you're you know talking about going across a border. In you know getting hops down to cervecerias down there, but what what are the prospects of having a lot of the Mexican craft brewers start distributing in America? Are there a lot of challenges there?
2: Yeah, I would say there are some challenges there for sure. I mean, there are certainly you know plenty of of Mexican craft breweries doing that, and several of the breweries that um, you know that I've worked with or collaborated with, um, you know, have asked us a lot of a lot of questions about that, and we've kind of pointed them in some different directions to, you know, to, to get them help for, for that. But, you know, it's definitely doable. It's, always, it's an interesting, you know, question as well as, as to, you know, do you manufacture and export or do you just contract brew with somebody? That's, those are, those are also conversations that we've had with several of the Mexican craft brewers of, you know, you know, Hey, we want you to make our beer in, in the U S and um, and we've, we've definitely looked at that and we've certainly explored making our beers uh, in Mexico too. I mean, no doubt, um, nothing has, has come about from any of those discussions, but that's certainly something that, that we've looked at. Um, but, you know, of course the cold chain is, is difficult. Um, you know, right now in Mexico, I think there's only one, uh, distributor that's using the cold chain all the way through. Um, and that, that that's only been as of a couple of years ago, I actually was doing a collaboration with a brewery that was starting this di, you know, di, distribution company. And uh, I think they signed a distribution agreement the day that I was there doing a collab um, in Mexico. And, and, and so far, they're the only ones that have successful cold chain that I'm aware of in, in Mexico, even with the big guys. It's uh, it's all warm stored. So that certainly uh, is a challenge from beer quality standpoint, as you guys can imagine.
1: I hear just distribution in general down there is just kind of crazy. Not just cold storage and warm storage, but I mean, like, who even has it? Like, you don't even know, like, uh, hard tracing it.
2: Yeah, that that is certainly very different from what we have here. You know, there have been times where I've even texted, like, a brewer in the U.S. that I know and going, oh, man, it's awesome you guys distribute in Mexico. And they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Um, you know that that, that kind of happens that stuff happens man you know or like you know i i knew of somebody who said oh you know we're gonna we're bringing this brewery you know from from another country into mexico for the first time and i was like i've had that beer down there before and they're like well yeah but not the bootleg stuff like that.
1: Nah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right
2: so it's it's a little it's there's yep yeah, it's a little different with some of yeah. that stuff
0: all right we're ready for rapidify are you ready for the the Craig section? Is yeah, that what it the, is? The,
1: the Craig section, lightning round, rapid fire. Keep keep them on their toes. around. here it comes.
2: Okay, start easy. You better you <laughs> be nice to me, Craig.
1: <laughs> um, first of all, this is, and this is a selfish question. We're a startup brewery. We don't really have a lot of funds. And what can we steal from your brewery because you're big and successful?
2: <laughs> oh man, I'm sure we got something. Do you guys want? There's got to be something laying in the corner you don't we need, need an anymore. Air compressor.
1: Air compressor? Yeah, sure. We'll figure it out. Just just whatever you see laying around, not being used, throw it on the pallet
0: and and ship it our way, and we'll figure out what to do with it. Craig, I think what he's saying is he wants you to blow air up your ass. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs>
1: oh man. You know, he said he gone in some, some cool brew pubs, and I'm sure you've gone to some killer restaurants, uh, whether they're you know, well-known or, you know, round, round the back, or maybe just some guy's house, but what's the best food
2: experience you've had while in Mexico? Oh man. Um, I mean, I have to say, uh, Escollo is a, a brewery that my friend Jorge owns and, you know, that's probably partly an emotional. I've Jorge. met Jorge. Jorge's a fun guy. That's right. Yeah. Um, that's probably partly an emotional answer because I just love the people there so much too. But I, honestly, you know, the food there is incredible. That's the first place I ever had chapulines, um, you know, and and they're amazing. And he's, he's baked me some incredible fish and tacos and the uh, gusanos de maguey, the big roasted um, uh, worms from the agave plant. They're incredible on tacos. I've had those there before. And um, I had my own on my birthday, I had a birthday cake smashed in my face and we had a big cake fight. So, you know, it's definitely there's lots of great memories there, but I will honestly say like for, from an experience standpoint for the Mezcal list, the amazing beer that they make and the food, it's like, you can't beat that place in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I, to kind of add to that, you know, we, we try to give some <laughs> travel advice when, you know, doing this. So when I was in Mexico city a couple of years ago, so we went to a high end restaurant that specialized in basically bugs and and different worms. And it was amazing. It was so good. But there are other times you go and you have, you know, different worms and crickets and it, it's it's awesome. And for people going down there that are scared to try it, I would say try it, you know. Yeah. For,
2: yeah, definitely. I mean, I had I don't think I'd ever eaten um, crickets before I went down there, but it's, you know, it's pretty common. And they're they're really nice. Um, and the you know, the the. Escamole is our, our ant larva. Um, if you can get there in the spring, they're seasonal, but man, they have a really nice nutty earthy flavor to them. Yeah, too. That was really good. Yeah. Next one. It's coming in. So it sounds like you do a lot
1: of real hard work down there. So other than the work that you're doing down there, so beer, food, otherwise cool experience just outside of, uh, you know, any kind of work at all.
2: Yeah, I would say, I mean, I've, I've had, you know, a couple of, of opportunities to stay with Mexican brewers and their families. And that, I mean, like to me, that's just amazing to see, you know, the way that they live and to go to the market and get food as opposed to going to a grocery store is an awesome experience. So, you know, yeah, I would say outside of, of, of that, you know, that's incredible. I did attend um, uh, a baseball game in Mexico, the Diablos um, in, it was the biggest deficit in Mexican professional baseball history. I, I was able to witness with, with some friends. Uh, we went, so I think it was 20, 29 to three or something like that was the final score. Um, it, it or we was 29 to nothing. Was it the home team that won or lost? Oh, it, was, it was the home team. It was it was our, the Diablos from Mexico City. So that was awesome. Um, that was a pretty cool experience too. But you know, there's so many amazing cultural things there. Uh, the pyramids are great. The history is just unbelievable. I mean, the amount of times that uh, that you know that different cultures have taken over that area, and to see you know the results of that uh, from a historical standpoint is pretty unbelievable too. Let's go with uh, spiciest pepper you've ever had. Oh man. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I know the answer to that. I, you know, I mean, I've definitely had some spicy ones there. Um, nothing that completely stands out. I, you know, I think all the, all my Mexican friends would, would, you know, would say that I'm kind of a, a puss when it comes to, to peppers, just cause you know, things that I think are spicy, they don't at all. But one of the coolest pe- peppers I've ever had, I think was the chocolate habanero um, which is also seasonal down there. I don't know if you've ever heard of those or seen those before, but they're pretty cool looking. They've got a pretty awesome flavor.
1: All right. And I'm going to end it on this. And then, Billy, you can you can ask anything else you want after this. But this isn't so much a question. This is, this is a more of a discussion point comment. But um, a couple of years ago, I don't think it was the last JBF, but the one right before that, uh, it was the first time that y'all had put on the, uh, great Mexican beer festival while the great American beer festival was going on that y'all did at the, the Denver beer coast of Aceria, Colorado and outside was probably the coolest thing that I've ever seen at a brewery and, uh, luchador wrestling at a brewery was just the most badass thing I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun, man. I mean, that was incredible. You know, they're, those 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 wrestlers are from Mexico City, and they do an amazing job. Um, and that was that was really a lot of fun. Um, and you know, one of my highlights uh, from that as well was, and I don't know if that was the year you were there or not. Might not have been, but we also made the world's largest michelada, um, and that was so much fun. Uh, we took several kegs of vanga uh, and mixed them together uh, with some clamato and some spices and. We threw a bunch of limes in there and you know we had a big um you know with a big four foot straw that we stirred the whole thing with and then uh, and then we gave we gave it away to the crowd for uh you know donation to our charity partner uh through Survey Colorado. So that was pretty awesome. That was really fun.
1: Giving that away to the crowd would not happen during COVID times, unfortunately. No,
2: no, no probably will never happen again, honestly. But um but man, <laughs> that was a good time. My my rapid
0: fire questions. I mean, you, you kind of just answered it. I was going to ask how your michelada game was and apparently it's world record, uh, shaping, but how is your michelada game?
2: Yeah, it's great, man. I mean, we do a lot of amazing micheladas, uh, down and chiladas down at Cerise Rio Colorado. So if anybody ever comes to Denver, come in, try the michelada. I love uh, the michelada with the poblano pilsner that we make is is really nice with the pepper flavor in there as well. Um, but man, we, we got, we got some amazing Micheladas and it's a, it's really fun time down there.
1: Probably had of questions, but I'm going to leave it with this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and officially invite myself, uh, when, uh, obviously when we can travel again, uh, invite myself down to Mexico city with you and we're going to make something. I've never been to Mexico. I've been, I've been around, really? I've been, been to Europe, been to New Zealand. I've been, been around and I've, I grew up in Texas and I've never been to Mexico. All right. Well, it's
0: about time, bud. And he says he knows what great Mexican food it, is. Well, I know Tex-Mex. It, Mex- Mexico is going to be a tale of a couple different countries in general because you're going to get a lot of like tourist spots that are fun. And then, you know, especially the interior, you're going to have a lot of really cool culture and you're going to get some great food. Stuff that you won't get here, well, of course. Well, I want to
1: go around with the locals. And, and I think Jason knows the local game there.
2: Yeah. they're And they are amazing hosts, man. I'm telling you. They... They are always very, very generous and nice to me when I go there, so it's it's been awesome.
0: Bill, you want to break it down for us? Yeah, let me just do the little remix. <laughs> um, I no, I that that's like I guess the the show right there. Uh, Jason, that that was awesome. Uh, thank you for coming on and and sharing uh, your experiences. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate you having
2: me on. Best of luck. Cheers.
0: Beer Flight Podcast is a production of Round Trip Brewing Company, voiceover help from Chris Mykowski. design help from Scott Miller. Everyone needs a little motivation from time to time, reminding them they only live once.
2: We'd be talking about what our plan was for the day or whatever, and
0: they kept they kept saying, bingo, binga." We'll see you next time on the Beer Flight Podcast.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying with us today. We know you have many options in air travel and we were probably the cheapest.